Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Now, if you want more Out of the Fog, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, where I'm Fog City Psychic, and my website is karenhager.com. So as we're rolling into the new year here, are you feeling stressed out or exhausted or confused? Are you looking forward to the year or are you kind of wondering what's going to happen next? Last year was tough and a lot of us have survived intense emotions and spiritual pain. Well, the Reverend Earl Johnson is my guest on today's show and he's here to offer some guidance on maintaining hope and relationships with people and with things that matter, finding comfort during difficult times and entering this new chapter of our lives, the new year, with hope. Are you ready to meet him? As the National Spiritual Care Manager for the American Red Cross, the Reverend Early Johnson recruited, screened, trained, and deployed highly credentialed healthcare chaplains to mass fatality events for 10 years. From plane crashes to school shootings, he was part of a team that assessed and planned emotional and spiritual support for the victims and the loved ones of these horrific, unanticipated events. Earls appeared on MSNBC and CNN, advocating for families of those lost in the Malaysian air incident. He's lectured at Michigan State, University of Michigan, and the Radford, Virginia Tech Disaster Preparedness Conferences. And in the last 10 years, he's coordinated professional spiritual care support to fatal domestic aviation incidents, massive Gulf hurricanes, including Katrina, Rita, and Gus, and the Virginia Tech shootings and Orlando's Pulse nightclub shootings. Earl is the author of Finding Comfort During Hard Times. Now, the book list of the American Library Association has called this one of the 10 best health and wellness books of the of the last year. One of the reasons for that, I think, is because this is an intensely practical book, but as you read it, you can feel the heart of the man who wrote it. And that man is Earl Johnson. Earl, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure being with you today. I'm, I'm glad you're with us. I'm, I'm wondering how you found yourself in this, in this line of work. How did this come to be? Well, I'm the son of a mechanic, and uh, my mother was a chronic volunteer. <laughs> and I, I tell you, uh, both my sister and I, my late sister and I, ended up in helping professions. And to make a long story short, um, I had the opportunity um, uh, during the AIDS pandemic uh, to return to ministry uh, and be a hospital chaplain and hospice chaplain, because so many of my friends and acquaintances were dying. And uh, that led me to uh, disaster chaplaincy, because uh, my sister was terminally ill, and I found going into hospital rooms too difficult, too um, 
painful. And, and so I had an opportunity uh, that fell in my lap. I moved from New York City, lower Manhattan to Washington, D.C. on September 9th, 2001. And two days later, I heard the plane hitting the Pentagon um, from my backyard. And I was able through my clinical training, I was at Washington Hospital Center, which had the burn unit where they took the uh, survivors from the Pentagon bombing. I had an opportunity to um, transfer my skills from hospital chaplaincy to disaster chaplaincy and, uh, through the American Red Cross. And, and the aftermath of such a horrific um, terrorist attack. And, and so it, I was able to claim my authority and spend the next 10 years working with an extraordinary team, primarily of healthcare and mental health chaplains and um, mental health professionals, uh, supporting people after plane crashes and school shootings and and even the Pulse nightclub shooting. And, and so uh, very, very meaningful work. Um, and I was put in the right place at the right time with the right people. Um, and I was able to help support uh, many thousands of people that had undergone unfathomable, unbelievable trauma. And so after my retirement from Red Cross, uh, I was able to reflect on my own PTSD and put my words um, into a book, uh, which is basically what happened, and to deal with my own PTSD. I'm, I hear people say PTSD to me a lot about the last couple of years. Um, and while they're probably not using that term in the, in the clinical sense, we're we're going through a lot of trauma right now, uh, a lot of us individually and then also collectively. You talk in the book about large-scale trauma, the, the big disasters, and everyday trauma as well. And I'm wondering how you would talk about what we're going through now. Well, first of all, Karen, you have to acknowledge the trauma. You have to focus and be mindful of where we are today and just acknowledge what a dark, dark period of time we've come through and survived in this pandemic. And I think we even have a new disorder called prolonged grief disorder um, because the world has changed so profoundly and so unexpectedly and so significantly that first of all, you have to have to know where you are and where we've been and coming out of this incredibly uh, traumatic and unanticipated uh, time of, of grief and, and, uh, and disaster. And, and uh, so the first step I think, you know, you do is, is that fierce self-assessment of, you know, uh, focusing on oneself and, 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 uh, and just really trying to understand what we've been through and what we are continuing to go through today. It seems like there's a there's a difference um, in these times, unlike after a hurricane, 
we're in a time right now where the responders and the volunteers and the caregivers and and everyone else, the in quotes victims, right? The people being affected at the most visceral level, we're all going through it at the same time. So we're all having our sense of safety affected. It's not even so much about the ones who were, for example, in the hurricane and the ones who come in from outside the hurricane. Does Has that shifted how you think about and provide spiritual care during these times? Well, it it does because you look and, and you see, um, you know, a, a hurricane happens for a finite period of time. And this pandemic, the problem with the pandemic is that it's ongoing. It is without end. And we have such fatigue and we are languishing. Um, my husband has a, he is an AIDS physician and, and he's, there's a diagnosis failure to thrive. And, and, and we are, uh, you know, that is, that summarizes very succinctly what many of us are going through, what we've experienced. And we've had this failure to thrive because of the pandemic being a cloud over everything. So to spiritually, to support someone who has undergone this intense period of trauma without end um, is, is it calls upon best practices and best minds, but to support others spiritually, we have to take care of ourselves first, and we have to take care of our spiritual needs and what fills our cups before we can offer spiritual guidance to other people. And, and so that's what really, really I want to emphasize is um, be gentle with ourselves, um, follow your intuition, uh, follow your heart, um, be mindful, be very, very mindful and, and, and reevaluate, um, these dark periods and, and say, what is it that I need now? What are my resources? Uh, what fills my cup, um, before we can, you know, spiritually lead others through this um, ongoing dark period of time. What does spiritual comfort mean? What does it mean to spiritually spiritually lead other people through this dark time? Well, it it means to meet people where they are, um, to find kindred spirits, to to find points of of commonality. What what are the things uh, that have might have helped each other in the past, um, refocusing on family and friends that that um, inspire and excite us and stimulate us, and and uh, and then you know when we. Uh, come out of our own personal fog, you know, and, and the, the clarity is uplifted, then we can spiritually comfort others. And it doesn't have to be in big gestures. It can be in small gestures uh, um, where we um, check in with people. Um, we, we, we tell the truth and we keep our promises um, because we have to do that fear self-assessment of saying, look, um, 
in, in order for me to be in a position to be have the capacity to help you and to to spiritually comfort you um i i have to be in a, a state of uh equilibrium uh equilibrium a, a state of 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 stability myself i had pulled out a quote from the book you said be aware and self-selecting say no when you need more time to process the event, do not put 100% of your heart into the response. You can pray for the survivors, but you do not have to continually stay with the survivors. I think there's a, there's a, a thing that helping profession people tend to do where we try to give everything because it feels like if we give everything, it will mean more, but really that, kind of depletes the experience, right? We think we're giving everything, but we're really trying to give from an empty cup. Exactly. And, you know, my clinical training really saved my life. Um, It helped me uh, come into terms with my own issues and my own biases and prejudices. And, um, you know, my nephew is now a new emergency room physician, Uh, in Massachusetts. And I worry so much about him. And this is a time of great worry for everyone. But I wonder if he has the training and the skills in order for him to pace himself. Is he a member of a of a caring professional team that knows how to um, relieve one another and spell one another from that great intensity and and those split second decisions because you know um it's personal this disaster this pandemic for all of us is so personal we know people who have been infected we are scared to death of of ourselves becoming infected again no matter how many vaccinations and boosters we have for these breakthrough infections. So we have to um, learn and, and lessen our anxiety by learning so much about what is necessary and what needs to be done, but also recognizing that we don't necessarily have to, want, have to be the one to do everything. I'm talking with the Reverend Earl Johnson. His new book is Finding Comfort During Hard Times, a guide to healing after disaster, violence, and other community trauma. You can find out more about Earl and his work at earljohnson.io. That's earljohnson.io. Our presence sometimes can mean more if we are quiet and and one of the things that i really resonated in the book with in the book was when you were talking about how there's a there's a moment like a breath's worth 10 seconds worth where the person you're with is deciding whether or not they can allow themselves to be helped and and the being present without pushing yourself through without pushing yourself that's that's a real gift. That's tough to do. Oh, it certainly is. And, and what a privilege it is to be trusted. What an honor. Um, what a sacred, sacred place it is 
and and it's so human to do these quilt quick evaluations of another person, you know, and just, is this going to be a nice person? Is this going to be a, a, a toxic situation? What are my escapes? What are, where are the exits? Um, but just what a privilege it is to be trusted to, and, and to actively listen and, and, and be in a position. And it's okay. You know, if you're, you know, if, if the person, um, doesn't uh, immediately uh, embrace you or trust you or embrace your skill set. That's okay too. Um, not everyone can help everyone else, um, but there might be a, a term, um, you know, a moment when you say, you know, I may not be the best person for you to talk to, but I have a friend. And that, I think that's healthy for the caregiver too, because it, uh, it means that, um, I don't know the right way to say this. It, it means that you're not making yourself the center of the situation, which I see sometimes happening. You know, you go in and you want to help and you've been trained and you're ready. And there's the, and then it, the, the person giving the support can sometimes become kind of the, you know, the star of the show when that's the opposite of what needs to happen. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yes. Um, and part of my chaplaincy training um, and it, it's just in capital letters, be the non-anxious presence and know enough about your own issues and your own buttons and how they are pushed so that you have that capability to be there for, for someone else and not have your own tapes playing uh, when you need to be listening to the other person so that you can, with, with great clarity and focus, you can actually help them and help understand what they're um, uh, enduring. Um, because we, there, it's such a time of great suffering, but also a time of great anger. And until we've dealt with our own issues, and truly know ourselves and to, until we are truly that non-anxious presence in the setting, then, then we're in a position to help another person. But um, if, if we're in a situation that is overwhelming or in a situation uh, that we can't control, um, um, you know, we, we do the best that we can. And under the circumstances uh, that may acknowledging that I'm not the best person to help. I may not be the person that needs, you know, to, to be the comforter, um, you know, and also acknowledging there are times when I need comfort. What would you suggest maybe practices or tools for listeners who, when you say be the non-anxious presence are, are feeling anxious and maybe aren't even feeling present. What would you, what are some practices or some tools we can use to kind of come back into our, our own selves, care for ourselves? Well, first of all, Karen, take a deep breath. The root of the word spiritual is respire in Latin, which means to breathe. And, and so take a deep breath. That's one of the best spiritual practices you can, or take a number of deep breaths. And then um, be in a position, uh, some people meditate, uh, some people um, find comfort and solace 
uh, in in nature or with pets, with their dog or their cat. But take that period of time you need uh, to to uh, take a deep breath so that you can center yourself and so you can focus. And if you're having the luxury to be able to take that five minute or 10 minute period of time to actually meditate, um, put that into your practice because some people say, I don't have time. Um, I need to start my day. I need to hit the ground running. And that may not be the best after all. But the first thing you do is take a deep breath. I love that as a practice. It is free. It is always available to us. And it's the fastest way I know of personally to reconnect with spirit, as you said, or spirit, just breathe. And so I, I love that. For listeners who know that there will be some difficult conversations coming up for a lot of people, the holidays, there were difficult conversations, as, as you say, there's grief and a lot of anger and, and division out there right now. What would you say to someone who was concerned about a difficult conversation that they needed to have? Well, I, I always say be gentle with yourselves and and it's it's okay um, to not um, be in a battle that you've been invited to. Um, you, you you can be as in the most delicate and and uh, gentle way possible um, uh, conclude uh, an argument or simply step back and say look um, I'm not in a position uh, that I am capable of controlling this situation but I can control how much exposure I'm going to have uh, to something that is incredibly unpleasant and com and completely toxic. And you can't do that if you're cooped up in a house with cabin fever or, or that, you know, you travel long and, and diligently to be at a family gathering or, or, or whatever and, and to leave prematurely or something, but you, you know, you really have to know yourself and you really have to take care of yourself because the damage that has already been done needs to be acknowledged and everyone is attacking or suffering. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's a tough read sometimes and you, you pray for that wisdom and you pray for that guidance um, uh, that you will have the strength and the power, um, you know, uh, you know, to be there with a difficult family situation, but then again, to also uh, absent yourself from it as well, if it's something that you really, really need to do for your own sanity and your own mental and spiritual health. Can you let us know, as we just come to the end of our time together here, can you let us know how we can find the book where listeners can connect with you and find out more? Well, it's it's available on all the, the major outlets in four different fair, uh, formats. Um, it's a, uh, on Amazon. It's available at your independent bookstores. We know we want to support them. Uh, it's an ebook. It's Kindle. 
Um, it's uh, on, on Audible. You can listen to it. And it's also a CD, um, a, a recording. So uh, all formats. And my website, uh, Karen, that I thank you for sharing with people is earljohnson.eo, um, uh, E-A-R-L-J-O-H-N-S-O-N dot io and that also gives you some uh links and connections but but thank you for the plug oh of course yes of course it's the whole purpose of the show is to get good information into the hands of people who can use that information to change their lives what keeps what keeps you balanced or what what keeps you going you give an awful lot i'm in a supportive marriage I have two wonderful overworked dogs. <laughs> I, I am so privileged that I'm calling you from the snow-covered mountains of the Shenandoahs of Virginia. Um, I have the luxury of living in nature and, and being in a supportive family and, and uh, uh, spending time in nature and with my pups. Uh, that's what's kept me going. And I also have a, a much wider network of family and friends um, that I use and sometimes overuse um, because we need to really remember we are not alone. And, and I think even to have an active prayer life or spiritual life, uh, a connectedness um, uh, with with. Uh, our higher power. Uh, that's what keeps me going. Earl, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. That is the Reverend Earl Johnson. He's the author of the new book, Finding Comfort During Hard Times, a guide to healing after disaster, violence, and other community trauma. You can find out more about Earl and his work at earljohnson.io. That's earljohnson.io. I-O. And of course, you're always welcome at KarenHager.com. You can find out more about what's coming up next on this program, check out upcoming classes and events. And if you want to connect voice to voice, you can even book a private session with me there at KarenHager.com. You can also follow my wacky hijinks on Instagram and Facebook, where I'm Fog City Psychic. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.